Insiders from Siemens, the podcast for the smart infrastructure community across the UK and Ireland. Hello and welcome to Insiders for March 2020. I'm Steve Randall and on this episode, we'll learn about a new incubator designed to address the specific challenges and needs of clients' buildings. We'll talk more about robots and automated processes and we'll catch up with the latest news from around SI. This is the Insiders Podcast from Siemens. First this month, let's talk about a topic that's challenging organisations and individuals around the world. Sustainability. What's happening within Siemens and how can you get involved? I'm joined by two members of the team to tell us more. Sarah Handley, my role is Carbon Neutral Programme Manager. So I've been doing this role for a couple of years now. In 2015, Siemens announced this target to be carbon neutral by 2030. So I was appointed to look at what that means for the UK, what it is that we need to do. In the UK, we have a a carbon footprint made up of electricity, gas consumption for heating and for testing our turbines and also for running our fleet of vehicles. So my role was to look at that and see what options there were for us to deliver on that target to be carbon neutral. I'm Ramsey Sharad. I'm a senior consultant in Energy Business Advisory, which is part of Power Technologies International in Siemens. I'm relatively new to Siemens. I joined in 2019. I come from an energy consultancy background and within Energy Business Advisory we help our customers across the board from writing strategic pieces in achieving carbon neutrality or decarbonisation pathways. We also work with um, universities and campuses, business parks, airports, train stations and major organisations that have all sort of agreed that there's a climate emergency and they've agreed a target of carbon neutrality but don't really know how to get there. And that's where we come in as Energy Business Advisory and and guide them through that process. Part of the uh, project we're looking at is is reducing the energy consumption at the Manchester site. And we've kick-started a project in terms of establishing an agile working area in the Manchester site. Anyone who intends to work out of office hours will be assigned a, a specific area to work in. So in collaboration with the estates team and facilities management, security and site director, we've managed to conduct a test on the building to identify what the critical loads are and what the non-critical loads are and effectively turn things off that don't need to be on outside of hours. And through that initial test, we've identified that we can effectively reduce the carbon emissions of site by about 11%, which is quite significant through some quick win measures and simple process and behavioural changes that take place. What's interesting is through the work that we do, working with our customers and and the organisations that we work with, technology only goes so far in terms of addressing the problem. Behaviour change actually plays a very significant role. Uh, and if we were to put numbers to that through the projects that we've done, but also statistics from the Carbon Trust, unlocking your full energy efficiency potential or energy saving potential is part technology, part process change and part behaviour change. And the percentage contribution of behaviour change is around 50 or just over 50 percent. Now, what does that mean for our colleagues within Siemens? It would be starting from as simple as shutting down your workspace when you leave the office but also on a wider aspect thinking about how you commute to work and what changes can you make and personally I view my 
work carbon footprint as part of my personal carbon footprint as well. And I think it's important. We take a lot of strides and efforts in terms of reducing our personal carbon footprint at home, but we need to bring that into the office space as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a really important point, actually, particularly the way we work now, because, yes, we might be in the office, but we might be working from home or we might be somewhere else. We might be traveling. So you can't really segment it. Of course, this is part of a big thing for Siemens. I think you, you mentioned the target for 2030. Sarah, tell us about the Carbon Reduction Fund and how it's played its part and how it links in with that target. Yes, we're very fortunate to be invited by our colleagues in um, global sustainability to run a pilot last year for a carbon price project. What that actually means is that we used a carbon price and applied that to all the gas and electricity that we consumed in the previous business year, we actually used a price of £13 per tonne of carbon. And all the businesses had to pay this carbon price or tax, if you like, on what we consumed. But we used that to create an investment fund. And we ran a competition last year and we asked for ideas from anyone across the business. Anyone could contribute an idea. The best ideas were then voted on and 10 were put forward for like a a Dragon's Den style kind of expert panel where we invited people to come in, present their ideas and six projects actually received funding. This is a really positive thing to do because rather than having to pay that price on carbon, as we get nearer 2030, when it's getting much more expensive, it's going to be a real risk to our business. We're charging ourselves now, getting used to the fact that carbon has a price attached to it, but we're using that to fund our own technologies and our own business and plough it back as an investment into what we're doing internally. So we had one project successfully achieve funding for uh, this competition last year for energy management and this has allowed us to invest some time and resource working with Ramsey and the team to focus on Manchester site uh, and a couple of our other sites as well and look at what do we need to do to help everybody to start managing energy. And I think it's a bit more difficult for energy than it is, say, for waste and plastics. Uh, Manchester and Frimley, they've all kind of ditched the disposable cup. They've gone for reusable cups and everyone can really get behind that and they can tangibly see there's something that they can do. And I think with energy, sometimes it's a little harder to say, what can we actually influence on this site? What does our behaviour need to be? Or how should I travel to work? Or how should I manage my workspace? And I think we need the expertise of Ramsey and other experts we've got in Siemens. We do this for our customers, but we need to bring it in and look at what we do ourselves in our own sites so that we can start to reduce that demand. And the good thing is we're going to run the competition again this year. So there'll be another opportunity for people to come up with some good ideas. So many possibilities out there, things that we could do, but you've got to kind of reduce the demand first before you start specking sort of PV and other types of equipment. We've got to kind of look at optimising what we've got first. If you can just follow some basic rules and some basic guidance on the principles of you know, energy efficiency, you can look at your site, look at how you use it, what happens after hours, what equipment is left switched on, what could you do about it. You know, there's, there's always things that we can do and we're hoping to use this project at Manchester to kind of kickstart that so that all our sites could follow the same example with some with some, some good guidance behind it. To put some numbers to it, I know we're talking in abstract a bit, but if we are able to achieve a 10 to 11 percent in terms of our carbon reduction, Siemens UK has got an energy bill of about 14.1 million pounds. So we're talking 1.4 million pounds as a pot of money that can be invested in renewable technology 
and help us achieve our carbon neutral target by 2030. There's a short term, medium term and long term goal. And we're looking to establish some demonstrator sites across Siemens UK. Initially, we're establishing what can be achieved through quick wins and low hanging fruit. Next is to put together an implementation pathway across buildings, across factories, etc. And then stage three in the long term would be actual implementation. And one of the ideas that's bouncing around is to pick a site every two to three years and make it a demonstrator site for the UK to showcase the technologies that we offer our customers, but also show how that helps in achieving carbon neutrality. Technology is changing at such a pace that what can be a demonstrator site today will be out of date in two to three years. So if we can pick our sites strategically and effectively and keep demonstrating our technologies across this implementation pathway, and achieve our target by 2030. That's the whole aim of the project. Fantastic. Now, Sarah, by the end of this year, what would you like to have achieved with the project? Well, for the Manchester site, um, I think it's we've got a really clear goal on what can be achieved in the short term, having done the kind of exercise of, of, of looking at what's what's left switched on, how we can optimise that baseload. So that's going to be, uh, hopefully, the, the kickstart for some more work at Manchester. And I think... With it being our HQ, it would be great if we could move into the next steps for that site and maybe look at investing some of the money this year from our carbon competition, maybe, and doing something to, to make that a real good demonstrator site, as Ramsey has said. But looking forward, I think we need this across the whole of our estate in Siemens. Um, we've had some really good success with a number of our sites that have actually used the Energy Management International Standard, which is called ISO 50001, and it brings a very systematic approach to energy performance improvements. A number of our sites have been using this already for the last three years and seen some really positive uh, reductions in energy and improvement. But these are still pockets. We need to see this as a consistent strategy across our whole business. Thanks to Sarah and Ramsey for their insights into sustainability. Please do find out more about how you can get involved, particularly in providing those great ideas as part of the competition. Let's take a look at some of the stories from around the business this month. SI will create a new business unit, Electrical Products, on April the 1st, 2020, combining the Control Products and Low Voltage Products BUs. It'll be Smart Infrastructure's largest business unit and one of the largest in Siemens. CP and LP have been innovating against new ideas and markets. These opportunities provide an excellent basis to build on their strengths in the CP industrial channels and the strong market access based on LP's building and infrastructure portfolio. You can find more information in the SI Yammer Group. No doubt you've been keeping up to date with coronavirus. Well, the comms team have created a web page giving you all the latest advice. It's been created as a source of guidance and support to all Siemens GB and Ireland employees regarding the continued threat of the virus. It will be updated as necessary with the latest information. You can find out more at siemens.co.uk slash keepmeposted. And finally, we're celebrating a special anniversary in the UK at the end of this month. It'll be the 170th anniversary of Siemens being in the UK, with Sir William opening the first office in 1850. We've got some exciting things planned, including a special augmented reality app coming your way. Keep an eye on Yammer for more details and join in the celebrations. Insiders from Siemens. 
the podcast for the smart infrastructure community across the UK and Ireland. Still to come, we'll talk about robotics and automated processes, but next to James Bellingham, who runs the Smart Buildings Incubator, to tell us more about how it can address customers' needs. In the past, buildings may have been this sort of static asset in which, you know, it's just a a big box and lots of things happen inside. But what we're looking at now with technology is how does that technology support the people in it? Being much more user-focused, what are the tasks happening and how can technology be used within those tasks to make things more frictionless and to help people in that environment? On top of the existing building technologies of lighting, heating, access control, you've then got this IoT layer that we've seen more and more about, better sensors, Bluetooth beacons that can track things in a building. And then the really valuable bit is this digital layer on top, digital services, apps that users can interact directly with. And that's the bit that I'm really focused on within this digital buildings incubator. It's all about giving control to the users. So you allow them to set up the space exactly how they want it at sort of the touch of a button. You want that to be the same experience across all of the buildings. Whether I'm in an office in London or I'm in an office in Switzerland, I get that same user experience and it takes out that learning that I have to do every time I go to a new place. One of the difficulties in campuses is finding the things that you need, but also finding the people that you need. You can create more of a sense of connection and community when you help people by giving them the tools they need to find the people within that big environment that they need to interact with. The products are already out there and all of the technology is there, which is fantastic. What the incubator is looking to do is taking these different bits of technology, bringing them together and looking at for different customers or for different groups of people, what are they trying to achieve from their building? And that focus on the specific challenges or the specific needs of those groups of people and apply the technology to that rather than just looking at one specific technology everywhere that you can put that technology in. With Siemens we have such a wide spread across different markets and across different customers and what I would say to other colleagues is anywhere that we've got customers with big buildings or or lots of people in one place or the flip side of where you've got lots of people spread across lots of places if you know customers like that that might benefit from having this digital user experience layer or help with using their buildings more effectively then bring us as the digital building part of SI in to those discussions so we can help those customers. Lastly this month, a return appearance for Matt Byram, business excellence consultant, who on a previous episode of Insiders talked about robotics and automated processes. You said you wanted to hear more, so we brought him back. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for for having me back. Now, before we get into talking about robotics and things, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your career history at Siemens? Uh, Yeah, okay. So I've been with Siemens for, for 16 years, I think, this year. I actually joined as kind of a holiday relief worker. I started out in the Congleton factory making cardboard boxes that we pack the variable speed drives into. And really from there kind of got the bug for manufacturing, for 
business improvement and kind of fashioned a career from there. So joined the graduate program at Congleton, started to really get involved in their productivity journey in terms of lean and business improvement and um, actually sort of held positions as business excellence practitioner and manager in different parts of the business from there on in. So although I uh, I started my career in manufacturing, it was it was quite clear that we could apply the same techniques in the office environment. So all of those lean projects that we did within our factories, we can do the same on on our information flow in the office. So kind of since those days at Congleton, I've had experience working with some of our acquisitions. I've also helped to kind of establish customer care centers. So I've kind of got quite quite a good view of the organization, which is where when I when I kind of come back to my role today as a, a business excellence manager, it's it's nice to be able to relate to um, to the roles and the processes that are quite varied across the business. Well, it's interesting hearing you talk because I've never really connected those two together, the sort of technology and engineering background of Siemens to actually business efficiency. But there are some synergies there, aren't there? Absolutely. Really, you know, given, given our manufacturing footprint as Siemens, but also in the UK, productivity is your life insurance. So if you're not doing things better every day or every year, then the competition are certainly going to overtake and we can bring different tools and techniques to help our employees kind of harness that creativity and innovation and make those processes better every day. And we, we saw you present the efficiency program at the recent town hall in Frimley and, and efficiency is one of those words that sometimes people take as a negative but it's 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 not necessarily that is it? No it's not and, and although there's an efficiency element what we're trying to do is make smart infrastructure as competitive as we can do and that that really gives us two things to work with one is we need to be the best that we can be at what we do today so we need to become more efficient and more effective in our day-to-day operations but the second element is we we want to grow so there's a there's some really ambitious growth targets for smart infrastructure particularly in the uk and um, actually, if we can become more efficient and effective at what we do today, we can absorb that growth and then go and enter these new markets and really embrace these new products, new portfolios and help our customers with their smart infrastructure challenges. And part of that, and again, it's one of those phrases that some people get worried about, the word robotics. I know what you're doing is more like kind of advanced macros isn't it which perhaps sounds a little less exciting in a way but actually <laughs> but actually can do a lot it can uh, robotics is kind of the overarching term that we use but really it's process improvement in an office environment and first thing and i guess where the robotics element comes from is we talk about robotic process automation so this is looking at the end-to-end value stream or the end-to-end process and thinking about how we can automate that really make it more efficient The step below that is what we call robotic desktop automation. Now this simulates the hand rather than the process. We can automate those clicks and drags that we do on an hourly or daily basis or even every minute where we're moving things from one place to another. For example, within Outlook, if you you automatically set a rule that moves um, an email to a certain folder, that would be you know, a, a small example of robotic desktop automation. A third one is is around chatbots. And when I think of chatbots or, or before I started to engage in this program, I used to think of a box popping up on a website, you know, on John Lewis saying, 
how can I help? Have you found everything that you need? But actually, it's so much more than that. So we can use chatbots internally to kind of search and retrieve information. So it's about turning those databases into the Google search bar internally to be able to find information more effectively. Uh, and also, you know, not, not discounting the fact that we can present that to the customer through something like a chatbot. And the final one would be intelligent document processing. We have the capability and the technology to open files, read information, move information from one place to another using robotics. So we've seen examples where robots that have been implemented by global business services or, or internal supplier, we've seen those cases where we can open an email from a customer, recognize that there's a PDF attached, we can open it up, we can extract the data that we need from that, and we can then transfer that information to a different system, whether it's SAP or an order processing. When you're talking about things like that, people are thinking, oh, yeah, that, that is a boring task if you have to do that manually. And, and those are the sort of things that, that these automated processes can do, freeing up people to do other things. So even if one of the processes you do now is automated, there's going to be something else that you can do, and it'll probably be more exciting. That's exactly it. And, and you know, the question is, you know, are, are we going to be replaced by robots? That's not what we're looking to do. What we're, we're looking to do is to automate the task. So there's, there's a few things that, we, that we, we're looking for in particular um, when it comes to those tasks and processes. So, for example, that they're stable, that they're time consuming, that they're electronic and, and well structured, that employee evaluation is not required which I think is the key one that links to that question you've just asked, and that they're repetitive and rule-based. So there's a, there's a criteria that we look for that kind of triggers that, that thinking, say, actually, there could be some value in this process. I mean, this is very much a case of anybody listening to this who thinks they're doing a task that could be processed with robots should flag that up to you, shouldn't they? Definitely, and reach out to your local business excellence teams as well, um, you know, particularly within the business units. We're certainly open to ideas, and um, and it's something that we've we've just begun a a what we'd call a roadshow. We're, we're going around the different um, business units. The advantage of having that overarching view through the program through SI competitiveness is that if we see something that's working really well in one business unit, we hope that we can we can lift that, we can shift it, and we can use that to then scale it across SI. Because if we can do any of these deployments together then you know there's going to be some some serious efficiency in it if we can work together and what, what's the sort of time scale matt if somebody flags something up and says you know this would be great if this was automated from that point what are we sort of realistically looking at before they can go on and do something uh, you know less mundane and the and the robotic process takes over it depends how big the processes and, and obviously all, all the deployments are slightly different. But one thing that we're, we're committed to is to deploy it in, in as agile as way as we can. And I know we throw the term agile around, but actually, you know, it originates from software development. And, and that's exactly what we're doing. So um, if it's a kind of a small robotic desktop automation then we should be looking at quite quick deployments um it's difficult to put a time scale on these things but we're committed to delivering some forms of robotic process automation by the end of this financial year and i think um, to end and i know you've already mentioned this but uh, just to be absolutely clear no one is being replaced by robots nobody's being replaced by robots no we're, we're hoping to to automate tasks 
but we're certainly not looking to um, to automate a role and so that people can engage in that creativity and innovative side, which is, you know, what's... Siemens is all about. Thanks, Matt. And also thanks to James, Sarah and Ramsey, my guests, on this month's Insiders. You could be a guest soon. If you've got a story to share, contact Richard Streeton in the comms team and I could be talking to you very soon. I'm Steve Randall. And until next month, thanks for listening to Insiders. Keep up with the latest episodes at siemens.co.uk slash insiders or subscribe with your favourite podcast app. Copyright Siemens. Siemens. Ingenuity for life.